I, you know this about me, I'm a self-proclaimed geek and I love interoception. Interoception is defined as the ability to identify, access, understand, and respond appropriately to the patterns of our internal signals. So how do we take this beautiful power of interoception and help it to empower our clients on their pelvic health journey? We're going there today. New and seasoned OTs are finding their calling in pelvic health. After all, what's more ADL than sex, peeing, and poop? But here's the question, what does it take to become a successful, fulfilled, and thriving OT in pelvic health? How do you go from beginner to seasoned and everything in between? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are inspired OTs. We are out-of-the-box OTs. We are pelvic health OTs. I'm your host, Lindsay Vestal, and welcome to the OTs in Pelvic Health podcast. We're going to be talking about getting centered through interoception today. I love this topic because it really highlights our strengths as OTs and as holistic thinkers. This type of perspective helps the nervous system to feel supported. And honestly, the longer I'm a pelvic floor therapist, the longer I see the benefits of starting with this. Now, interoception is one of our body's sensory systems. Now, interoception is defined as a sense of the internal state of the body, right? So organs that that give us or provide us interoception are our heart, our skin, our stomach, our intestines, our hormones, and of course, our bladder. Interoception helps us understand our body's needs, like recognizing feelings of hunger, or when we're potty training our children, knowing when it's time to use the bathroom. It also helps us know how to appropriately address our needs. So scratching an itch, right, with a proper amount of force. And it helps to regulate emotions and control behavior. So when we're feeling anxiety, right? Seeking ways to calm ourselves, or for children avoiding temper tantrums by meeting their basic needs. So it's, it's phenomenal how much this work has informed my approach to pelvic floor therapy, especially when it comes to trauma-informed pelvic floor therapy. There are very simple things you can start today that help give a client a sense of their interoception, their feeling of safety without ever even using this word. The first way is by starting to discuss the difference between permission and informed consent. Now, permission is simply asking your client something that we probably have done most of our career, which is, may I touch you? right? I'm thinking about being in a yoga class just last week. And before the teacher came up, she said, can I touch you? Right? And my first question was, where? I wanted to know where. I was in a downward facing dog and it was going to make a difference whether she was intending to touch my shoulder or let's say my sits bone. So (laughs) the way we reply to permission-based consent 
may I touch you, is yes or no. That's what's most socially appropriate, right? Because it's not full of information. Guess what? It wasn't the right time and place for me to ask that question. And so I didn't ask it. But why not? Why put our clients in that same situation? Why not try an informed consent approach? So this is where you share with them what you're going to do and where you're going to touch them so they're fully aware of what they're agreeing to. So in this example with this yoga teacher, she could have simply said, may I put my hand on your back? Do you mind if I touch your shoulder? Is it okay with you if I put my hand on your sits bone? Right? What a difference. What a difference. Because yes, being touched Giving the ability to say yes or no to being touched is important, but doesn't it make a difference where they may touch you? I have a client that would feel very different about a touch on her sits bone versus a touch on her calf. And you probably have those clients too. So everything is an invitation. And this, this is what helps our clients to feel empowered, right? So it's an invitation to approach someone with informed consent. Guess what else is an invitation? When they walk into your space, try saying, make yourself comfortable or sit wherever you'd like. Normally, and for most of my career, I would tell the client, you can sit right there because that's where the chair was, right? It was concrete. It was pragmatic. But here's the thing. Even the physical space gives our clients a feeling of safety It gives them a sense to tap into their interoceptive feelings. So we can do tangible things like this to encourage them to connect to that nervous system by simply responding to you and the environment. And just by walking in and choosing where to be in the room, oh my goodness, they feel empowered. They may not be able to articulate it with words, but their body, their interoceptive sense absolutely knows. They start their experience with you in this way. So many of our clients have had too many experiences of being disempowered and that, that my friends, stops with us. We're going to practice in a way that fosters a sense of ownership of their body, empowerment through choice, by using the language of invitation. Now, here are a few other examples of how safety begins with the physical environment. We always ensure that clients are not on display, right? They're in a private space, so they're not seen, but this also means they're not overheard talking. No one else can hear them sharing their story with you. So much of physical rehabilitation with the pelvic health floor is about them being able to share their story. It's about them being able to express their feelings and their thoughts and their questions. We're building that therapeutic relationship by connection, not just by internal exams and touch. That absolutely may be a part of their healing journey, but do not discount the power of therapeutic rapport by talking and allowing them to really ask their questions and share their story. And we do this by considering what happens if we're in the middle of our connection and our, and our building rapport 
and there's a knock on the door? What if someone is interrupting? How do you answer the door? What is your policy, right? Have you talked to maybe the front desk or your colleagues about this? Do you have a sign on the door that lets people know whether or not you're accepting a knock and you'll be able to respond to it? I know when I worked in the outpatient facility before I started my own business, I let all my colleagues know, right? Especially if it was the evaluation. And I put a note on the door that said, unless this is an emergency, please do not disturb, right? And I let them know when I was available. Now, this is exceptionally important if the client is laying face down, whether or not you answer the door. I also encourage you to be mindful of your facial expressions and the position of our body. Now, this is even more important if you are wearing a mask where you work. We need to be really mindful of our eyes and their ability to convey safety and trust. Also, let the individual know where you are in the room. If you're moving around, especially if they're lying prone or if you approach them from behind. Think about this in both the eval and the treatment, and especially if they can't see you. Another important aspect is, with masks specifically, is our tone of voice. How you're saying what you're saying, not just what you're saying. As pelvic floor therapists, we are all trauma therapists. The intention often determines the approach. Why you do something will inform how you do it. And it is absolutely about the mental, emotional, and physical aspects of your client. Pelvic floor therapy is a very multifaceted approach. And by acknowledging this, we acknowledge that there are layers of trauma that our client experienced, right? There could be the original trauma. Let's say a client injured herself and she's leaking urine. But guess what? Now there is a secondary trauma that has resulted of the because of the first. So quick example, I have a client who runs for stress relief, but she injured herself. And when she does try to run, she leaks urine. So she no longer runs and her stress level are, stress levels are increasing more and more and more. This is a simple example of how the physical affects the mental aspects, but more it demonstrates the layers of trauma that kick off when a client can no longer participate in their chosen occupation, right? This client had so much of her identity wrapped up with being a runner. She would bring it up within five minutes, almost every conversation, whether or not you were a stranger. If someone asked her what she did for fun, if someone asked her what her hobbies were, you know running was brought up almost immediately. So when she could no longer run, right, she had a very, very stressful inner dialogue. Can I call myself a runner? I haven't run in six weeks. Am I a runner? Right? And so there was so much there for her to unpack. And the more that we can hold space for those layers of trauma, the better our clients are going to be. The response and the experience the person has is actually often more important than the event itself. So for example, take two war veterans, right? One returns with PTSD and the other doesn't. The other doesn't. So what impacts this different experience? Their history, their wiring, their learned behavior, coping mechanisms, strategies they have to help regulate their nervous system, right? All of these things have an effect on this response. 
Now, in an earlier podcast, I talked about the polyvagal theory at length and Stephen Porges. This is a fundamental concept if you're a pelvic floor therapist. So please go back and listen to the pelvic floor episode on polyvagal. It's foundational information. Now, Porges reminds us to look at the client's response to trauma versus reliving the event. We can ask a question very simply such as what are you currently experiencing versus what happened? So here it is again. What are you currently experiencing versus what happened? This really helps them to start to focus on the here and now and not live in the past. It helps them. They may even be stumped when you ask this question, quite frankly, because they may have not been asked it before. So much of their work prior to coming to see you may be on the past, may be on this big trauma they experienced versus how are you feeling now? Give them time to explore that question. Enable them to be curious as they explore it between session to session. Because here's the thing, right? The heart of good therapy is empowerment. No intervention that takes power away from the client can possibly encourage their recovery, no matter how much it seems to be in their best interest. That doesn't occur when we don't give them the choice, right? And it started with what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, helping them to decide where to be in the room with you versus directing them where to sit, right? We immediately disempower them unknowingly with that small act. So the universal danger response is threefold. Face the danger, fight or flight, or freeze. Now, the response to this, which one of these you choose, is completely involuntary. It's completely involuntary. Your body is going into survival mode. And in a matter of a nanosecond, it decides which one of these three responses it wants to go with. Which is the one that's going to be the safest in that moment? Face the danger, fight or flight, or freeze. Knowing this and sharing this with your client is so incredibly empowering because it removes the blame. It removes this feeling of, oh my goodness, why? Why Why did I wrongly choose that, right? No, no. Our body was going into survival mode. Our body wants to keep us safe. And it took the information that was in front of it in that moment and made a decision. I have three friends who were actually hiking in the woods near the Canadian border. And literally, the three of them went into each of these responses. So they were hiking along the trail. They ran into a bear, right? And one of them took out her pepper spray and immediately took a stance of fierceness. The second one literally ran. And the third one just stood there like a deer in the headlights, not knowing what to do. And all three of them, they thankfully got out of the situation unscathed and they just laughed at themselves at how they each had their own journey and that each of them, and they're, they're all occupational therapists, so they, they sort of knew the importance of this, how each of them in that moment, their body took a different path and not one of those options were wrong. You know, one of the questions that Diane Lee talks about asking her clients, and I learned this when I studied with her in 2016 when I took her ISM series, is she asks this question, do you believe you can get better? Do you believe you can feel different? 
I love these questions. I often ask them and I also add, you know, I may be knowledgeable about the pelvic floor, but you're the expert of you. Do you believe you can feel different? If they say yes, I say it's time to get curious and explore our options. Now, the simple act of asking this question and waiting for a few moments while they answer enables our clients to remember how powerful their mindset is, how powerful their beliefs are, and how you know it is going to inform their progress. And it also gives us information about their nervous system state. Now, I got to ask, what are your tools for nervous system regulation? Now, these could be tools you use on yourself. These could be your go-to tools for your clients. Will you do me a favor and answer this question for me? All you have to do is take a screenshot on your phone of this episode right? Wherever you are, minute 17, doesn't matter, screenshot it. And then when you post it on your social media platform, I want you to pick one or two or three of your top nervous system regulation tools. Okay. This is going to help because it's going to entice others to not only listen to this episode, but to examine if those are some tools that they've thought about. So you're going to help them bring out more tools for their clients to consider. And you may even help them discover a new tool that will help them. Right. By the way, I love to ask my clients what they want to consider exploring for nervous system relaxation before just automatically choosing one for them, right? So my go-tos are things like rhythmic movements, uh, box breathing, going on a walk. It's so different for all of us, but it's important to beef up our clients' toolboxes through an exploratory approach. So let's say we love alternate nostril breathing, right? And we assign it to all of our clients um, because we think it is the go-to tool. It has helped us and we love it. Well, guess what? If our clients don't love it and we don't even ask how they feel about it, it's probably not going to achieve the results we tout it that it would. And what do you think our clients' inner inner dialogue is then? They may think, what's wrong with me, right? My therapist said this was a great tool. It works for, for her other clients. Why isn't it working for me, right? It may confirm a feeling that they're broken, So having a lot of tools at our disposal, but first allowing them to answer the question and maybe to even sit in a little bit of discomfort as they explore some things perhaps they haven't given time to before. Well, gosh, I don't know what I like. I got to think about this. There is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with having our clients sit there and scratch their head and kind of problem solve in the moment. Now, If we need some recommendations as they kind of draw a blank, we absolutely can recommend our go-tos, what has worked for former clients, and perhaps what you saw when someone else listening to this podcast did their screen share, right? They took a picture of this episode and they put one or two or three of their favorites um, right on top of the image. And it's amazing how far reaching these simple, these simple sharing things are on social media. I have learned some of my best tips on these little simple ways. So I want to hear from you. So in all of this, we are encouraging a dance between the sympathetic and parasympathetic systems, right? We want homeostasis. We do this by 
toning the vagus nerve and basically having the curiosity to explore and feel unattached to the outcome, right? We do this by creating the power of choice, exploring how it feels for our client by offering gentle suggestions. Now, another way we can offer gentle suggestions are things like saying, in your own time, or as you're ready, or I invite you to, as a transition into another activity. So for example, breathing, right? I'm sure if you're an, a pelvic floor therapist listening to this, you do some sort of breathing uh, in, in your very initial sessions because it is the foundation of our work, right? The breath is so important to pelvic floor health. So instead of commanding our client to take a breath, we say, so instead of, I mean, it's as simple as the difference of take a breath into your rib cage versus when you're ready, try to take a breath into your rib cage. It's not a command. It's an offer, right? We're providing time and space for our client to feel, witness, observe, and notice without telling them what they should be feeling or experiencing, right? Some other phrases I love are be curious about or notice how it feels when or observe the change when. All of these are so incredibly powerful and really open the door to our client taking interoception into every aspect of their day, in their session with us, out of their session with us, and all of those ADL moments in between. Thanks for listening to another episode of OTs and Pelvic Health. If you haven't already, hop onto Facebook and join my group, OTs for Pelvic Health, where we have thousands of OTs at all stages of their pelvic health career journey. This is such an incredibly supportive community where I go live each and every week. If you love this episode, please take a screenshot of this episode on your phone and post it to IG, Facebook, wherever you post your stuff, and be sure to tag me and let me know why you like this episode. This will help me to create in the future what you want to hear more of. Thanks again for listening to the OTs and Pelvic Health Podcast.